0: There now follows a party political broadcast by the Labour Party. No, there doesn't.
1: Now party election broadcast by the Conservative Party.
0: Nope. It's It's the monster raving loony party! And no, it certainly is not. Politics has been described as show business for ugly people. Whilst politicians have been likened to diapers because they both need to be changed often, and often for the same reason. On the next two episodes of the History of Advertising podcast, we are sticking our noses into the seedy, hairy underbelly of political advertising, as we speak to the people who are behind the adverts for John Major, Neil Kinnock, Ken Livingstone, and the great Iron Lady herself, Margaret Thatcher. On this episode, we'll be looking at the memorable ad campaigns from the Thatcher era, and in order to do that, we've caught up with Jeremy Sinclair. Jeremy, who has become known as the quiet man of advertising, joined ad agency Cray saatchi in 1968 and was soon put in charge of the agency's creative department. His campaigns for Schweppes and Cosmopolitan and him Golden Lions at Cannes. Here, he recalls how he reacted when politics came knocking on the agency's doors.
2: The Conservatives came to us through a chap there, called Gordon Rees, became Sir Gordon. We welcomed him with open arms, particularly Morrison, Charles, and I did. Tim Bell, who was later to fall in love with Mrs Thatcher, he wasn't keen on it at all, because he had seen what a political party could do to an agency, could sort of take it over, really. So he was he was totally unkeen. But we were keen, because mainly we thought, this is got to be able to do the, the greatest ad ever. Because, you you know, you're speaking to the entire population. So we loved it.
0: Jeremy found that there are remarkably few differences between creating campaigns for brands and creating them for political parties.
2: We have just applied the same analytical process to politics as we did to products. But We could distill a complicated argument into a simple form. We love doing it. Get the strongest possible message, simplify it and simplify it, and then... uh, Put it out. Maybe it causes a stir.
0: He certainly created a stir with the Labour Isn't Working poster campaign, which has often been cited for helping to change the course of politics and ushering in the Thatcher era. The poster campaign was run by the Conservatives in 1978 in expectation that the then Labour Prime Minister, James Callaghan, would call a general election. The campaign drew attention to the levels of rising unemployment at the time with an image of a long, winding dole cue. The slogan at the top, in big capital letters, read, Labour isn't working. Underneath, in smaller text, it read, Britain's better off with the Conservatives. We asked Jeremy what it was like to present the idea to the party.
2: We'd present to the chairman of the party, the, the ads, and then we'd also present to Mrs Thatcher. Um, And her reaction, I remember when she first saw Labour isn't working, she wanted to know why Labour was so huge on the poster and the Conservatives were just down the bottom. But once we'd explained it, she was an excellent client, a really good client. And that's a rare thing to be a good client, much harder than you think.
0: Like all political communications, the ad was not without its controversy. The image of the queue was criticised because it didn't actually feature unemployed people. The
2: queue was made up of Conservatives from a Conservative Association in North London, I forget where. Somebody wouldn't know. And uh, it became a big hoo-ha that they weren't real
0: unemployed people,
2: they were just people pretending to be unemployed.
0: Jeremy was not concerned by the response. In fact, he was thrilled.
2: You see, every time people complained about it and said these are not real unemployed people, the papers had to reproduce the poster so that the reader knew what they were talking about. The Labour Chancellor of the Healey Seeley, did us a great favour. He'd, he'd keep complaining about it every chance he got. And so he, he helped make us famous.
0: And the complaints about the poster didn't stop the rise of Thatcher. The poster campaign was brought out again in the run-up to the election, which was held on the 3rd of May 1979. The Conservatives won with a majority of 43 seats over Callaghan's Labour.
2: It's the greatest honour that can come to any citizen in a democracy. I know full well the responsibilities that await me as I enter the door of number 10 and I'll strive unceasingly to try to fulfil the trust and confidence that the British people have placed in me and the things in which I believe. In
0: 1983, Thatcher was up against Michael Foot's Labour. Under his leadership, Labour shifted further to the left. This was epitomised by the release of a 39-page manifesto booklet called... The New Hope for Britain, which demanded higher personal taxation, renationalisation of industries including British Telecom and the British Shipbuilds Corporation, and complete nuclear disarmament. Jeremy recalls how he reacted when he saw the manifesto.
2: That was the longest suicide note in the history of politics, I believe. His manifesto.
0: We had the Labour manifesto,
2: and then the next to it was the Communist manifesto, And the headline just said, like your manifesto, comrade. I wrote the headline for that. And then we just listed all the identical things that were both in the Labour manifesto and the uh, communist one, including leaving Europe. That's another story.
0: The left-wing policies, in combination with the popularity Thatcher enjoyed following the successful outcome of the Falklands War, gave the Conservatives a decisive victory. It was Labour's worst defeat since 1918, and led the party moving gradually to the centre under Neil Kinnock, who became leader in 1983. Hugh Hudson is a film director who has directed films such as Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Revolution and the multi-award winning Chariots of Fire. Ahead of the 1983 election, he filmed and directed Kinnock the Movie, a campaign film designed to improve the Labour leader's public image.
1: The film object was to get him across and uh, we humanised him, made him, although he's a very human man, but he had a reputation of of being different, you know, and uh, people were frightened of him. There wasn't a brief, really. Um, Make a film to make Neil Cannock look, look good literally they asked me to do that I think that the real privilege of being strong is the power that it gives you to help people who are not strong I think the real privilege of being fit and bright and young strong is the ability that that gives you to give others a helping hand when they're not strong, when they're old. We didn't know what we were doing, really. We just went out and got the money from the Labour Party, not very much, and went out and filmed, interviewed various people and filmed Neil in various places, including Northern Wales on the beach, and we put together this film, and we made it as we went along. His grandfather, Mary's father, said, that's all very well, my boy, but don't forget that MP means a man of principle. My father was very funny about it. When I called him and told him I'd been selected for the seat that I have in South Wales, the place where I was living, uh, in the valley in which I grew up, uh, I said, Westminster next stop, Dad. And he said, oh, you don't know. He said, people are funny.
0: Here... Hugh recalls what it was like to work with the bigwigs of the Labour Party.
1: I worked with Peter Mandelson, Gould and uh, Alistair Campbell. And Alistair was doing all the interviews with me. And we went round, followed Neil everywhere and put together this film. Literally in the editing room. Very, very quick because, you know, we had, by the time we finished, we only had about two days, two nights, days and nights before it had to go on air. And when I showed it to Peter Mandelson, who was the head of the uh, Neil's press uh, campaigning for the Labour Party, I remember showing it to him, and he, he started to... He, I was behind him, and he, he started going, <laughs> like this, and he was crying. So I knew I had something there. Yeah, I don't know if he'd admit it now, but uh, yeah, he was moved, very moved by it.
0: The impact of the film led to an immediate rise of 19 points in Kinnock's personal poll ratings. However, it wasn't enough to win the election. Thatcher won by another landslide, making her the first Prime Minister since 1820 to lead a party through three successive victories. Tune in to the next episode of the History of Advertising podcast, where we will look at the fall of Thatcher, the shocking results of the 1992 election, the rise of Blair and how political advertising played a role in all of this. The History of Advertising podcast was presented by Jack Meggett-Phillips and featured contributions from Jeremy Sinclair and Hugh Hudson. The programme was produced by Jane Jarvis and Jack Meggett-Phillips. If you're interested in learning more about the ads featured on this programme and the work of the History of Advertising Trust, please visit hatads.org.uk.